humans get something by giving. You feel good. We all want to feel good. So when donors can give to a cause that they really believe in, they're able to associate that with them helping the cause. And that's really the key to successful fundraising, helping donors see how their donation is going to make an impact. People have to be able to see how their donation is helping. Hi, everyone. I'm John Kinnean, and this is Fundraising TLC. I'm thrilled to share this two-part interview with Lisa Rowan, principal at Rowan Consulting. In the first part of our conversation, we get into the impact of doing rewarding work and the key components of successful fundraising. Let's get started. Lisa, welcome. It's great to see you. I think the last time I saw you, or the last couple times I've seen you, were uh, at the Napa Institute in, in, in beautiful uh, Napa, California. It's nice to see you here on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah. No, it's my pleasure. It's great to see you. And I'd love to see you in Napa, but <laughs> good to see you here, here too. <laughs> well, let's just jump right into it. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Uh, I think you have a fascinating career and you work with some some fascinating nonprofits in the in, in Catholic space and in really in the Christian space, the nonprofit space. So let's just see where this, uh, where this conversation leads. But uh, maybe start us off, Lisa, with a little bit about you. Uh, who are you a little bit? What do you do? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a consultant and I, uh, my background's basically been in marketing, fundraising, sales. Um, I kind of have a mixture of what I do it, and based on my clients' needs, you know, I, I kind of morph into whatever they're, wh- wherever the need is greatest that they need me. But my career basically, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people that said, I want to get into fundraising. I want to work for nonprofits. That's not what happened at all. I had a very mm-hmm. basic major in college. Um, in communication and public address, which, you know, that can go anywhere, um, which is actually a good thing. And I ended up working, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, did you ever hear of Dial America Marketing? I have, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I saw that. I was a district manager there. Um, That was my first job out of college. And I was basically responsible for hiring the sales reps and um, selling and training and Anyways, I, I did that for about, I think, a year or two, and, and I realized I didn't really like that, but I, I so I got another job with a payroll company, and um, there I was in sales and um, installation, and I became the youngest district manager and got married in that time, too. It really wasn't moving me, and I was, you know, kind of looking for something of what what can I do to kind of make a difference, and like, what am I supposed to be doing, God? Tell me what to do, and I want it to be something that I really enjoy. Unfortunately, a, a headhunter had reached out to me and um, said I have I have this great job with an agency, and um, they work with all different nonprofits. And so that's how I kind of got into the whole nonprofit fundraising space. And that was in my late twenties. And uh, since then, you know, I've I've been very involved. I did take a little break. Um, in my 30s to have kids. <laughs> and fortunately, I had my boss at the time, he was very accommodating and he he would allow me to work as much or as little as I wanted to. And so after my third child, I really said, you know, I, I need to stay at home. But he would call me every year and say, are you ready to come back to work? Are you ready to come back to work? And so finally, when I turned 40, I, I did come back to work. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got into the whole fundraising. So I've worked on the agency side where you are now. And just in the last, I would say, seven or so years, I've really been focused on uh, consulting for not various nonprofits. Great. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've i yet to 
certainly interview anybody for this podcast. And I was going to say, you get to meet somebody that might be an exaggeration that, uh, that said, I'm going to go into fundraising, you know, when they were uh, discerning their careers in college, right. It seems like everybody has a bit of a journey to get here. And, uh, and you know, so it's, uh, it's fascinating to hear how people come to be in this space, but, uh, but I think it provides such a rewarding opportunity for, you know, high achieving folks to, to do that high achieving work, uh, but in really, really meaningful ways. And not to say that working for a for-profit organization isn't meaningful, but uh, to be able to, to deploy your skills, you know, on behalf of organizations that are doing great things has been the singular pleasure of, of my professional career. You know, I get to be me. Uh, but I get to step back and say, you know, a lot of this has had real meaning. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really been impactful. So it's been a privilege. And my wife, interestingly enough, has faced a, followed a very, very similar career as yours. Uh, she oh, took really? some time off. Almost identical, really. She took some time off. And then her boss said, you know, any bit of work is fine. And then uh, once our triplets came, then my wife was full time off. I didn't know and you had triplets. Wow. I do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Then, uh, <laughs> God bless then, you. <laughs> Roughly around the time she turned 40, she went back more full-time as the kids got a little older. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's funny. Like, I never even thought – I really thought I'd stay at home always. But I realized just because of my personality, I like to work. I actually enjoy it. I noticed when I was had my kids at home, I was, like, in charge of the PTA. I was doing everything, mm-hmm. you know, that I could do involved with church and all these different things. And I, I really came to the conclusion, like, well, you know, my kids are in school most of the day. Like, what am I doing? I need to do something. I'm not, you know, so it's just interesting because yeah. it's not really how I saw my life. And, sure. you know what I mean? It's not what I envisioned. Well, but, I used to joke with my wife when, uh, when she was home with the kids. I said, you know, was there anybody that was at the school more often than her, you know, that wasn't a full-time teacher? <laughs> you know, yeah. she would be there every day. Same kind of thing as you described. Yeah. You know, the PTAs and these committees and everything. Yeah, well, John, I got to meet your wife. You got to bring her to Napa this year. <laughs> yeah, the kids are teenagers right now, so we're not quite leaving them at home Mm-mm. for five days. I understand. I understand. Another two or three years and they go to college. Uh, she'll yeah. become my Napa buddy. Uh, we look forward to that. Um, so Rowan Consulting, uh, you're principal of that. It's your own agency. And, you know, you're working with uh, some select not-for-profits. Tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe some of those clients and or some yeah. of the work you're doing with them. And I know you've got a really fascinating list of folks that you work with. Yeah. Um, some of the um, nonprofits that I'm working with, obviously, uh, the first one, and this is how I met you, John, is through the Museum of the Bible. And that's um, an incredible museum located in Washington, D.C. And if any of your listeners haven't been there, I would highly encourage it. It is it's it's really like not like any other museum I don't think that you have been to. It's it's highly interactive. It even includes a ride, the closest sensation you can get to flying. And it just, it has something for everyone. They always have really interesting, cool stuff going on. And my job there is Catholic outreach. So one of the things I, I did for them is develop a Catholic advisory board. We just had an amazing exhibit on the Shroud of Turin. It was their most popular exhibit. And I'm hoping we can bring that back. But the, the museum is something I spent a lot of time on, and I, I just love it there. The first time I went there, actually, I was trying to recruit them as a client, and I just fell in love with them and, and what they're doing. And I think the educational opportunity for schools and, and homeschoolers is just incredible to get people. Their whole mission is to engage people with the Bible. So they just have so many different ways you can learn. And, you know, the Bible is our blueprint for life. God left that to us. And we have this amazing right in DC, a huge 
black building that has mm-hmm. all this incredible stuff. So, you know, I can't say enough good things about them. It's highly worth a visit. And usually when you go there, you come back. I mean, they always have, they always have a ton of things going on. Yeah, I, I, I've been there and, and I agree. When I first heard early on that this museum was going to be built, uh, of course, as a lifelong Catholic, I was excited for it, but I sort of scratched my head. I was like, what is this going to be? Washington, D.C. of all places, Museum yeah. of the Bible. And, uh, and what it's turned into, uh, you know, and I think is how it was envisioned and, and how they've executed in terms of what they've built there. And the programming is, is really just nothing short of remarkable. You know, I don't think there's any museum uh, in D.C. like it uh, and few museums in the world that, that are on par with it. It's a, it's a world-class museum. Yeah, and it, it does. Like you said, it has a world stage theater. I, I'm sure you're familiar with Jeff Cavins. Um, he mm-hmm. actually did a two day event there. I'm hoping to get him to do another one this coming year or next year. They have all these different things going on all the time, whether it's book signings or speaker events. Actually, after the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, we're doing like an, I don't know if you're planning on attending that, but we have an event going on. It's uh, the Five Priests documentary. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, I have not. We're doing a preview of it. It's only an hour documentary, but it's won a bunch of awards last year for the Canes um, at the Canes Film Festival. And it's about it's a true story. It's based on these five priests that basically during the Yellow Fever in Shreveport, Louisiana, like they they gave up their lives. They knew they were going there to minister to six people and they did it and they're up for sainthood um, in the Catholic church right now. And so it's an animated film. It's, it's narrated by different folks, uh, including uh, the papal nuncio and he'll be at the event as well. But it's, it's really, it's, you know, it's a piece of history, but it's done in a very um, interesting way. And, and so you should come to that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So museum of the Bible, amazing group. Hope that, uh, continue to be successful in drawing Catholics to the Museum of the Bible. I mean, all people, of course, but uh, somebody who's committed my entire career to the Catholic Church, I'd uh, love to see uh, my fellow Catholics avail themselves of what's there at the museum. Who else are you working with, uh, Lisa? I know across uh, Catholic Yeah, are outreach. you familiar with Cross uh, Catholic Outreach? I am, but uh, but tell me a little bit more about what they do. Uh, I know they're... Uh, well, they've been around for about 20 years, and they, they're an incredible humanitarian organization. They do they work with, um, I think, like 32 different countries and, and really help with disaster relief, medical care, food, housing, education. What I'm specifically doing them is working on their Box of Joy program, which I, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they, um, they basically, around Christmas time, they... They have people, and it's it's a it's a great way to actually have your children and your whole family involved in in your Catholic faith and putting your Catholic faith into action by by serving the poor. and And we we create these boxes. They give you the boxes, and you put different items in them. They're gift they're gift boxes. Uh, what's unique about it? Because um, there are other organizations that do this is that we put a rosary inside and also the story of Jesus. So, and it's in a form of a coloring book. So the kids love it. And it's it's just a great way to not only help, you know, those that don't have, I mean, these children don't have anything like, so, mm-hmm. so you're not only doing that, but you're actually helping your family's faith, you know, with helping people do that. So you're, you're really putting your faith into action. And so what I'm, part of what I'm doing is helping raise awareness and funding for that program, because 
uh, getting different schools, churches involved. Actually, John, if you want to get your church or school involved, let me know. But it really, uh, it's just it's just a fabulous, and I really can't say enough good things about the people that run this organization. And I've seen this firsthand. They they start the first hour of every day in prayer. Everybody all the employees. And I think that's pretty incredible, especially nowadays. So I feel really blessed to be working, you know, with all my clients, but yeah, they, they, they have a great, they're just wonderful people and they're, they're, they're changing the world. You know, they're, they're, like I said, they've been doing this for 20 years, but they, um, I think the box of joy program hasn't been around that long in the last couple of years, but we're looking to expand that. And they're in uh, Florida, right? Florida. Yep. In the yep. Florida area. Yeah. Yep. I remember when I first came to be aware of them, I hadn't really heard of them and uh, done some research and, and came to realize that it was one of the larger nonprofits, you know, serving the under, you know, uh, serving the community globally, you know, in, in the Catholic space. I mean, they're, they're very significant and they, and they do an awful lot of work all over the world. Uh, extraordinarily professional organization. Yeah. And they have the Pope's blessing and they have, I mean, you can go on their website and all different bishops endorse them. I mean, they're yeah. pretty, they're pretty incredible. Yeah. Cross Catholic. Outreach. outreach. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, terrific group. And it's one of the things that I always, uh, you know, as I do my work here at the Lucan's Company, and I've been in this, uh, this space since I was in my early 20s, it's just how vast uh, the Catholic philanthropic space is. I mean, Christian, of course, but, uh, you know, the, the Catholic space, whether it's dioceses or religious orders and lay apostolates, groups like Cross Catholic, you know, focus, it's just a, it's a vast space. And and uh, doing extraordinary work really at every level, whether it's, you know, uh, educating people in the faith or whether it's helping the poor, or it's providing, you know, food and aid supplies overseas, or disaster relief. I mean, the Catholic Church in one form or another is uh, through the laity and through clergy are involved uh, really in every facet of our lives you know, globally. Yeah, it's true. And the museum even touches on that. We have an exhibit um, on the second floor about um, hospitals and how, you know, nuns were really responsible for that. So, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. It is. Catholics are very giving. (laughs) And, um, you know, as and I think with you, too, and and your focus in the Catholic arena, um, I think, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm just realizing where my heart is and Mm -hmm. what I want to spend time on. And that's usually the clientele that I tend to acquire <laughs> just absolutely and it's and, it, and it's a privilege it's interesting i have a, a one of my daughters uh, one of the triplets she's 15 and and she just started volunteering uh at uh, the cancer hospital here at yale mm-hmm. and uh, it was her second day going she tends to be a little bit of a, a bit of a timid kid so uh but this was all her idea she wanted to do this and and uh but this was her second day and she really didn't want to go right she just um you know I'm nervous about it. I'm sort of uncomfortable there. And, uh, and she went. And uh, when we, you know, when we picked her up, we said, you know, how did, how did it go? And, and she had all these stories, right? That, you know, some little old lady came out and was like, this is the best part of my day. And, you know, I can't, you know, yeah. this is, you know, and, and there's a young gentleman there being treated for cancer who she had met last week. And, and he's, wow, I was hoping you guys would come back today. You know, and I said to her, I said, what a privilege to have had the opportunity to make somebody's day even just slightly better, right? Mm-hmm. Even slightly better. And, and not everybody gets to do that, right? Not everybody gets to improve someone's moment or day or life. And so many of the organizations that you and I get the privilege of working with uh, do that as their core mission, right? And they have people committed all day, every day to mm-hmm. try to make the world a slightly better place. And, and uh, I, don't know, I think that's one of, the, one of the cool things about having a career 
you know, working in fundraising or working with these terrific organizations. And I know you feel the same. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the biggest blessings, quite frankly, because, I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I know the organizations that I'm working with are making a difference in lives. They, they definitely are. Um, I know that, you know, firsthand from talking to the people that have, have been impacted by these organizations. Um, but anyways, it, it is, uh, you know, I'm doing my little part. I feel like, and um, I, it is a, it's a, you know, I, I definitely feel blessed to have, um, to be working with such incredible people. Well, we've been both been doing this a little bit, Lisa. I suspect we're similar age. And uh, what do you see out there? I mean, it's 2023. It's a, it's a complex world, right? There's lots of distractions. There's lots of what division, tension. You know, we all know the world we live in. What do you see out there? Uh, in terms of you know generating interest or support for these organizations or how people are reacting, anything sort of big picture that as you go about doing your work that you see that's either challenging or rewarding or well what i what I find interesting is you know when covid hit like i we really i don't know about you, but we were wondering how is this going to impact fundraising you know but right. it it didn't I don't think it, I mean, if anything, I think people are, were generous even through that all. Um, mm -hmm. I, don't, I, I think that was my experience, but I, I always, um, in, in terms of, cause I know both of our backgrounds is in direct response too. Right. And I remember in my twenties when direct, you know, direct response came out and to hearing people say, oh, you know, that's, that's going to end soon. That's going to end soon. And, you know, I hear people saying that now, I'm in meetings now and, and that is being said mm -hmm. and I'm like, Listen, it's not going anywhere. This is right. like a this is a a viable fundraising means, and it, it it actually you know it's 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 a great investment, and it does um, prove itself over time. And you just got to keep at it. Why I don't think it's going to go away is because people like getting mail. I mean, they do. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. it's again. There's other digital came into the place, and and that's always um, a, a form too. But I don't I don't see that going anywhere. I I don't know how what what you think about that, but I, right. I'm always like, I feel like I've had this conversation for the last 30 years. It's not going anywhere. Oh yeah. No, it's uh, mail has been dying for, since I started yeah. uh, at 23. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and then of course, you know, email was going to kill it and then online giving was going to kill it and, mm -hmm. and, and all these sort of things. And, and I don't know why as a, as a, as a society or culture, we don't learn, you know, some of this, I mean, TV didn't kill radio and the internet hasn't, you know, that, they all sort of layer. I mean, I think the world winds up just getting noisier. You know, these channels don't replace other channels. And I know certainly in, this, in the work that we do, that mail continues to overperform or outperform any other medium, you know, in direct response uh, by a long shot. There is no comparison. And it's not to say that those other channels aren't valuable. I mean, they could lift response rates. They generate some, mm -hmm. some interest in, in giving on their own. I mean, email will result in gifts, online ads will result in gifts, but more often they complement uh, things like mail and events and major gifts officers and, and all of the mix that we have in fundraising. And I know this, the mail is checked in my house at least every other day, mm -hmm. uh, if not every day. And uh, it all gets looked at. I can't say so it all gets read, uh, but it all gets looked at, you know, and uh, that's more than I could say for my Facebook ads. And my email, you know, huge portions of which never get looked at and get instantly deleted. So, and, and we're seeing, interestingly enough, uh, because the market has become so noisy, 
uh, that even among younger folks, the mail is becoming more and more popular. They actually like to receive real mail. Well, everybody likes to go. Everybody likes to go to their mailbox and see what's in there. Even if it is bills, you know, you put those in another pile, but you want to see, you know, what what you got from who. So well, I have a, you know, my kids are getting to that age when they start to look at colleges, and which means that you know the colleges begin their marketing, and 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 we're as digital a savvy family as you'd find anywhere, and. Uh, and I got a postcard. I was looking through these postcards that were addressed to my daughter for a college that I knew very well when I was younger mm-hmm. and had long since forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Hadn't made it onto my daughter's list. But I looked at this postcard. I was like, huh, yeah, of course. You know, we have to definitely consider this school. You know, I, I used to visit there when I was a kid. I used to have friends that went up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mail proved to be a complementary strategy for that college. All right? mm-hmm. Somehow, some way, we missed the email or the ad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was mail that created the reminder. Now, my daughter is going to do all of her follow-up, I'm sure, online with that college and mm-hmm. watch all the videos and all this sort of stuff. But it was the mail that generated the attention. It's, it's how right. it got on the list. Well, and that's, you know, some, a lot of times how a major gift gets found. You know, that's the funnel yeah. for major gifts, or it's one of the funnels anyways. One of the things that I've always been amazed at, and, and I should probably stop being amazed, but I probably won't be, is to just how generous people are, right? So whether, you know, I too, during the pandemic, extremely nervous about is anybody going to give anywhere you know um and and giving one up and you know having worked in the in the catholic space my entire career you know there's been challenges in the catholic faith you know uh, that the catholic church is in some cases brought onto itself and what have you and uh increased secularization uh, across the country yet generosity remains you know and there's remarkable generosity any thoughts you know why well, I, I think <laughs> part think? of it is humans get something by giving mm-hmm. that you you get an automatic you feel good you know we all want to mm-hmm. feel good so when donors can give to a cause that they really believe in and as you know it's it's they're doing good too you're 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 able to they're able to associate that with them helping the cause mm-hmm. And and that's really the key to successful fundraising, right? Is is helping donors see how their donation is going to make an impact. That that is the key. And the most successful organizations have the communications that do that the most successfully. They're able to help people see why it is they should care about this cause, how it relates to them, and how they can help. People have to be able to see how their donation is helping. Um, otherwise you won't get the repeat donations. No question. No question. And, and, you know, and how deeply personal giving is right. And, and that's one of the things that, that I'm always reminded of is that at the end of the day, that decision to, to write a check or, or ultimately to make a major gift is a deeply personal one. And, and people will, will approach that in a lot of different ways, whether it's, you know, the emotion or whether it's trying to have impact or whether it's enormous sense of gratitude or, mm-hmm. uh, or recognition. The one thing I would love for the world to know is that nine out of 10 times, it has nothing to do with tax deductions. It has almost nothing to do with tax deductions. Uh, yeah. The amount of times uh, I see, you know, in the press or you see in comments when someone makes a gift, Oh, they just get a tax deduction for it. It's just uh, it's just silliness. That's no, people, people give do. because they care about whatever the cause is. It, right. it, they they want to help that cause uh, for whatever re- for whatever reason it strikes a chord. Just like you have your certain organizations that you like to give to, and I have mine. 
everybody has there. And what what's interesting to me and something that I always communicate to clients is just because you have a donor giving to this organization doesn't mean that they're not going to give to another organization. It's mm-hmm. not going to hurt you that they're giving to the other one. They're going to give to right. both if they care about it. So, right. you know, that that's always something that I try and, you know, it, it, it it's actually the more they give to it shows that they just have a you know a broad reach of just things that they're interested in or it could be similar organizations that are doing different things though yeah no that's the like 100% agree and we see it the data tells us that you know yeah. we see that you know that uh, that people that give to lots of organizations uh, tend to be the most likely to give to the next organization or, or people that one. give to a veteran organization a they will probably give to a veteran organization B and C too, you know, right. are their chances are more likely if it, if it relates, you know, to what they're doing right. or what they yeah, and, and, and people are not giving their last dollar, right? That's another thing that you often, use that, well, they already gave to XYZ organization. Yeah. Know, um, so they still have some money left. They're, they're not giving their last dollar. They're, there's still yeah. some philanthropic capacity there. What challenges do you see in the future? You know, I think that nowadays it's just being able to capture people's attention because they have so much thrown at them constantly. I mean, there's constantly, you're being bombarded with information. So like what makes you stand out? And it's just like with any marketing or or fundraising piece that you're doing, whether it's in the mail or online is like what captures the person's attention. So I think the creative aspect of getting people's attention is is kind of you know fortunately there's lots of creative people i'm not one of them (laughs) i know when i look at something whether that's going to work or not you know but i I can't come up with the idea i i think that's kind of the thing that everybody's going to be dealing with and it's happening it's been happening for a while is how do you get the person's attention because they are they are being bombarded with more and more emails more and more Mail, you know, so what is it that is going to make you stand out? And again, I think a lot through market research and segmentation, you you get kind of the information to hone in on what the donor is interested in. I don't think, you know, I know some clients are afraid of like bombarding people with too much information and they're worried about that, but people don't mind getting information as long as they care about what they're reading. Right. As long as you're telling them something that they're interested in then it's okay to communicate, you know, it's just, and it doesn't mean you have to be asking for a donation every time. That's not what you do. Um, some of it's just keeping people updated on how you're using their money. So there's a delicate balance, but I think that's, again, I think that's just the nature of our society, unless something changes, how to capture people's attention and keep it. And that goes back to um, the whole building relationships with the donors, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether you're talking about a major donor or a, um, a low dollar donor, like how do you build the relationship and keep it? And again, that's all through, it's through uh, personal relationships and, and the creativity and communication. It's all about the communication. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Fundraising TLC with the Lucans Company. We're excited to share part two with you next Monday. In the meantime, Get more information at fundraisingtlc.com and be sure to subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.